Thank you, Michael and worship team. It's great to be here and worship with you. Good morning, New Hope Church family. Great to be here with you. A number of years ago, our family took a uh, vacation. All five kids, my wife and I, ended up out near the ocean. One day we decided we were going to take one of those excursions. And we were going to go out on a, uh, one of these boats and then one of these snorkeling trips, you know. And so we gathered at the dock, and there were about 30 or 40 other people who, uh, who came along for the ride, and, and the captain took off in the, in the boat, and it seemed like we went for hours and hours, although it was probably only 30 minutes, but before long, we were out in the middle of what appeared to be the ocean. All we could see was gray water, blue skies, beautiful sight, and all of a sudden, we come up on these rocks, these giant rocks kind of coming out of the water, and so uh, he pulls up the boat in this little cove, and he anchors the, the boat there, and he comes out, and he says to us, you are about to enter a new kingdom. You can't see it. Matter of fact, you're not even equipped for it, but just a few feet below where you stand right now is something that is going to blow you away. It is amazing. But there's a problem, because you guys are not equipped to go into that kingdom. So you're, you're, you, we're in this kingdom, the kingdom of the world, but there is an aquatic kingdom down there, and you need some special equipment. You need some tools that will help you go into that kingdom so that you can see it. And so he, uh, he made us uh, pull out the equipment that we were going to use, and so he had to, to train us so that we could go down. And so the first thing he did is he says, now pull out, uh, pull out your, uh, your masks, and so... He instructed us on how to put on these masks so that you could see when you go under in the kingdom. Because if you don't have this, you will not be able to see. And not only that, but what will happen is this gets fogged up and we had to be trained in how to get the water in there and get it out so that we could, so we could see. Now the other problem you have when you go into the, the water like this, you, you can't breathe. And so, you know, you need... You need a source of air to sustain your life. Otherwise, you can't go down there and you can't enjoy it. So it's a little bit like having the Word of God to be able to see the kingdom of God, right? A little bit about uh, maybe having the, the Spirit of God that gives us life so that when we go enter and enter the kingdom of God, we can actually see. And then on top of that, he says, you know, you have another problem because you're not designed to be in the water, and so you're going to have to wear this float to keep you uh, above the water, and, or at least not allow you to go too deep, so as you go, you're going to be able to spend the time we're going to be out there. Because if, if, if you don't have this, you could easily find yourself in a very precarious situation. And then he, uh, he, he had us put on the, uh, these, these things here, and, and these, are, these were the, uh, the things he said are so important, and this could even be one of the most important things, because you see what happens is when you, when you get out there in the realm, the kingdom of the aquatic world, there are going to be streams and patterns and pressures under there that you can't see, and it's likely to take you someplace you don't want to be. And if you didn't have these, and you could wake up and you could be a mile away, and we wouldn't see you, just like I can't see you right now. But you see, these will give you the power you need, like the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, to be able to energize you, to keep you in the right path where you know you need to go. 
2,000 years ago, God sends his son Jesus to tell us about a new kingdom. A kingdom that we can't see. It's called the kingdom of God. So Jesus shows up, really, to bring us the good news of the gospel, the kingdom of God in the midst of the kingdom of the world. So we have the kingdom of the world over here. We have the kingdom of God over here. Jesus comes to redeem us out of this and place us into here. But there is a problem. and In fact, I think Romans chapter 12, verse 2, is one of my favorite verses because it helps identify a little bit of the problem. It says there, Do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world. There's a pattern in this world. I am well-schooled in this pattern. I know all about my ego and my pride and my selfishness and my self-centeredness and me going out in the world trying to get everything I want to get for me. I'm well-schooled in how that works. And it's interesting because in that verse it says, first thing I need to do is no longer be conformed to this pattern, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind in order that by testing, I love that word, not by learning, although we do learn, but it's testing because the test is going to come, and the test comes so that we might know the will of God, what is good, what is acceptable, and what is perfect. But the problem is, is that when I'm born, I, I'm, I'm born with these, gla- these goggles. These are worldly goggles. And I don't even know I have them on. I just, I'm in the world. And this is how I live my life, going through this darkness. I don't even know it's dark. But what we're going to find out in a minute, actually we can, we can read this very clearly in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22, because this is what Paul says. He says, to put off the old self which belongs to your former way of life and is corrupt through its deceitful desires. See, this is the flesh. This is what I was born with. And I have these deceitful desires. What are some of the deceitful desires? Right out. Just throw them out. Give me a deceitful desire of the world. Greed. Lust. Gossip. Power, yeah, I want to go in the world and be powerful. I want the corner office. I want my name, you know, on the, on the plate there. What else? Ego. I mean, there's all these things, aren't there, that the world said they are deceiving. Paul says, because of your fleshly nature, you have desires that are fleshly, and they are deceitful. That's what the world is. And we get lured, lulled into this, and we think we want to pursue the values of the kingdom of God. Jesus comes and he says, no, 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 you need to understand the truth. There's the kingdom of this world and there are different values and I'm going to redeem you out of here, but you need some tools to help you understand, to equip yourself so that when you enter the kingdom of God that you can see, breathe, understand, and begin to spiritually grow and transform. So Paul goes on in the verse and he says to this, he says, to take off the old, which is the former manner of your life, deceitful desires, and then to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self. So this is what I need to do. I need to put on the new. I need to take off the old, put on the new, because when over here I cannot function here, I cannot see, I cannot experience transformation in my life if I do not have a spiritual lens on. And I need to do this every day.
the disciples make a very interesting discovery. They're with Jesus, early part of his ministry. He's up in the northern part of Galilee. Matter of fact, he's on the northern shore of the Sea of Galilee, and he is about to give the most powerful, important message ever given. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. It's chapters 5, 6, and 7. And what he's going to do in chapters 5, 6, and 7 is he talks about kingdom values. And he's talking about the importance of kingdoms, kingdom values, what it looks like and where we need to be. And the disciples are walking with Jesus during the early part of his ministry and they're watching him do these amazing things. They watch him teach and speak with clarity and truth and with such authority. And, and they watch him go up to the unlovable and love them. And he watched, they watch him heal people and, and encourage people and help people. And he's shattering all of the religious Jewish paradigms of the day. He was doing things no one else would do. And they, they, they saw the miracles he said, I want to be like Jesus. He was perfect, sinless. Jesus came, one of the reasons Jesus came was to demonstrate what a holy, righteous life looked like. He lived a transformed life. The disciples said, I want to be like Jesus. But they got a problem. They're not equipped. They had this flesh. But they, they discover something. Every morning, Jesus goes out, and he goes out, and he prays. And somehow when he comes back after praying, it's like, okay, guys, let's go. We've got a busy day ahead of us. There's lots of things we're going to be doing. And, and they're kind of coming out of their sleep and everybody grabs a bagel and they hit the road. And they, they make this discovery. Jesus, teach us. Teach us how to pray. Teach us how to pray so that we might be equipped to go into the kingdom of this world and live that transformed life. And so as we're going to look at this morning, there are a number of the things that we're going to learn about how to pray in order to equip us for the kingdom of this world. There is a wrong way to pray, by the way. And in verses 5, chapter 6, 6, 7, 8, Jesus talks about the wrong way to pray. We're not going to go there today. Let me just say there are two things in the ways that we are not to pray. Number one is that we are not to be like the hypocrites. These were the Jewish leaders. We were not to go out and, and pray because the hypocrites have wrong motives they do it, everything is wrong about the way they pray because they're asking for things for themselves. They're trying to make themselves look good. They're, they're, they're praying improperly. Then there was the Greeks or the pagans. They were constantly praying, but in their culture where they were very religious, they would pray to idols, but they would babble. They would repeat things. And so we're not to repeat a prayer, just to repeat it for the sake of repeating it. We know this because the disciples come to Jesus and they say, would you teach us how to pray? He didn't say teach us what to pray or teach us a prayer or teach us the words of the prayer. It's how should I pray? Jesus warned them about meaningless repetition. And then when we look at the Acts and we look at the epistles to try to see how did the church pray, there is no record of repetitive prayers. So Jesus is going to help us to understand how we daily take off the old and put on the new. So here's the big idea today. Every believer, every true follower of Christ can experience spiritual transformation by training themselves in seven spiritual 
exercises for kingdom living. Call them seven priorities for living in the kingdom of God. Call them seven. I like the word exercises because I think really in our culture what we need isn't more learning as much as we need more training. We need to be trained. And Jesus is the spiritual trainer. So Jesus says then in in, uh, chapter 6, beginning in verse 9, he says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. Probably most of the people in this room know that prayer. We have probably repeated it many times. Jesus is going to bring some different insight into it. The prayer shouldn't be repeated. He's giving us seven specific exercises that we are to personally apply to our lives in order that we might go into the kingdom of God this day, turn on our spiritual radar so we can be effective disciples for what he wants to do in us and through us that day. So here's number one. Our Father in heaven. Our Father in heaven. You know what I like about this is there are many names for God, many names throughout the scripture. But it's Jesus who comes along and gives God the name Father. Isn't that cool? He starts off by saying, Father, your Father in heaven loves you more than you can imagine. Now now think with me for a second. You love somebody wildly. You're madly in love with that person. You just love being with that person. What do you do to somebody that you really love? What what are some of the things that you might do? Come on, just throw words out. So you're going to spend time with them. Excellent. What, you're going to spend time with them. What else would you do? What's that? Light up. up. Translate somebody. (laughs) Please them. Try to please them. Yes. Okay, what else? How would you please somebody sometimes? How do you please a spouse? How do you please a child? Oh, you do things for them. Yeah, like you give them gifts, right? I mean, you, you give them gifts. I mean, and this is absolutely amazing because here's, let me just review very quickly with you five amazing gifts that God has given you. You didn't ask for them. You didn't even know you needed them, but he has equipped them with you. He's done these things for you. Here's number one. He's given you a mind. The thing that differentiates you from the rest of the created world is he's given you a mind so that you can discern and experience truth and you can recognize truth and you can see the wrong path and you can see the right path. The second thing he did is he brought his son into the world who paid a price on that cross. He died for our sins so that those who decide to turn, I no longer want to pursue the things of this world. I want to pursue the things of God. I confess, I repent of my sin. I turn, Lord, to you. He's now made it possible for us to enter into that relationship with the Father. What a gift. Would somebody say amen? Here's the third gift he's given. He's given me the word of God. Not the, he hasn't given you the Bible. The Bible? Yeah, the word of God. Let me tell you what the word of God is very quickly. Five things. Here's what the word of God is. It is the mind of God. You want to know what the mind of God is? It's, it's the word of God. It's his heart. That's the second thing. The, 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 second, the word of God is his mind. It's his heart. The, the word of God is the mind, the heart, and the voice of God. It is the voice. You want to listen to God? It's in the word of God. The fourth thing, the fourth gift God has given you, he has given you the Holy Spirit. You know, he's given you the Holy Spirit to empower you, 
to, to the, the, the scripture says to lead, to guide, to teach. It's the Spirit of God working in my heart and mind. And when the Word of God and the Holy Spirit come together in my mind, I, I see revelation and I see new truth when I'm obedient to that. He's given you life. Ooh. You got a double blessing this morning. If you open both eyes, you had two blessings. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father, for opening my eyes today. You've given me life. Can I tell you something else he's given you? He sustains you every single day. The next breath you take is a gift from God. The food you eat today comes from his hand. He's given you a church family. If you're here, you're part of a church family. That means there's godly, wise people who will walk alongside with you in this journey called life. He has given you all of these things. He's done that because he loves us. He wants us to crawl up into his lap, the lap of his Father, because he desires to be with us. So the first thing I need to do, the first spiritual exercise, is to daily engage my true Father every day and thank him for all the things that he has, has done. Second thing, hallowed be your name. What does that mean? You know, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's not a prayer. That's a proclamation. We, we can be pretty good at just proclaiming something. And just saying it is not a prayer. That's a proclamation. It took me a long time to learn some of these things. That's meaningless, repetitive words unless it comes from the heart unless i'm applying the truth to my otherwise i'm just saying words it's not a proclamation lord hallowed be your name the word hallowed means to honor it means reverence it means that you are holy it means that your name is above all names you are king of kings lord of lords there is none like you you are creator god of all it is ever will be you're holy righteous just gracious, loving, and merciful. What an amazing God. And not only that, God is all-knowing. He knows everything. He is all-powerful. He can do anything. And thirdly, he sees everything. He knows the numbers of hairs on your head. This is who our Father is. He desires that intimate relationship with you where you and I would closely gather to, to, to him and, and that we would worship him. And so when we say, hallowed be your name, we, it's not words we speak. What we're saying is, Lord, you are king. You are king over all. And because of your power, your knowledge, you know the end from the beginning. You know what I should do today. And so, Lord, I turn my life over to you today. I trust you. I want you to be Lord of my life. God wants us to do that because he wants to use us. He wants us to make his name famous. That's why it says in Matthew 5, 16, it says, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father who's in heaven. Not good deeds in the sense of my good works that I go out and do in my own strength, but as I experience transformation and I grow in my love for God and all of a sudden I'm experiencing the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, patience, peace, peace patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, Self-control, these have an impact on my life that begin to influence other people. And that's what he wants for me. The question is, do I want that? Or am I going to go after my 
deceitful desires that are continuously coming at me, dulling my spiritual senses, and I begin to just pursue the things of this world. So here's the second spiritual exercise. First one, engage my Father every day. Second one, submit to the Lordship of Christ every day. Here's the third thing now. Your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. Now remember, when you pray, you are making a request. Let me tell you the five components of prayer, by the way. The five components of the word, it's a compounded word. The Greek word is compounded. It has several different meanings that are kind of wrapped up in it. The first is closeness. You're drawing close to an intimate relationship. So you're drawing close in prayer to your Father. The second thing is you are making a request. But in the Old Testament, typically the request would be followed by a vow. So when you make a request, you're also saying, I am going to surrender something. Lord, I want to become more like Jesus. I want to be more like you, my Father. Father, I, would you just, I want to give up the things of this world. Lord, would you help me to get over the, the desire for the things of this world, whatever it might be? And Lord, would you, would you, by the power of your Spirit, change me so that I pursue the values, the things of this world? So I'm, I, I come in, in closeness to him, and, and I, 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 I say, Lord, this is what I want, and this is what I don't want. And then I, I give him thanksgiving. And prayer is an act of humility. It's a prayer. It's an act of submission. It's not a profession. Father God, I come to you this morning and I just, Lord, I confess to you my sins. Wash me in the blood of Jesus. Cleanse me this day. Thank you for forgiving me. Boom, out the door. Ever done that? I have. Not a prayer. Words. Not from the heart. Words. Oh, man. When I came to the realization that so much of my spiritual life was nothing but religious activity, I fell through the trap door of religious activity and thought that would give me life, but realized there's no spiritual growth or transformation there. It's flatlining. That's, what, that's where I, I, my growth is stunted when I fall into that trap. But the evil one likes to deceive me. He loves religion. He will do everything he can to get you to engage in religious activity. It's purely a mind activity or a verbal activity. Your kingdom come. We're making a request here. Lord, what I'm, when you say that, here's what you're saying. Lord, I recognize there's the kingdom of God. And Lord, I, your kingdom that is in heaven, Lord, I'm asking. I, I, re, I want your kingdom here, and I want to be in your kingdom, and I want to advance your purposes through my life. I want to be used by you. Lord, set me free from the things of this world that I might pursue you. What prevents me? You see, we're already worldly-minded. When we say your kingdom come, what we're saying, Lord, I want to be kingdom-minded, but there are things over here that keep us from becoming kingdom-minded. What would some of those things be? What would some of those things be? Say again? Peace? This would be peace. This would not be peace. What, were, what are some of those things in the world that prevent me from being kingdom-minded? 
Oh, boy, everything's good. Everything's going great. Obviously, God is blessing me. He's blessing me because these things are happening. I just got this job. I just got this raise. I just got this. She just said yes. And I just got a new car. I just got whatever. God must be blessing me. No. Yes, he has blessed you. But God is interested in teaching us kingdom values, not worldly stuff. In fact, he, does, he says, he says there's, <laughs> there's something about kingdom values that are, that's pretty important here about Matthew 6.33, you know, where, where he says these words. He, he says, you know, if you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all the things that you need, I, 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 will, I will bring to, I will add. That comes next. Now, it's not that we don't go into the world and do our best and become the best at what we do. I'm not saying that at all. The problem is, is when that dominates and all I become so busy, I become so engaged in the things of the world and I've allowed entertainment and technology and work and all of the other things to crowd out God. And they prevent me from being. That's why I need to put on take off and put on, and daily come before the Lord to, to recenter myself spiritually. So what does it look like to be kingdom-minded? What does that look like to be kingdom-minded? I got acquainted with a fellow several years ago. His name's Doug Pollock. He's written a book called God's Space. God's Space, building space into your life for God to work. Because most of us in our culture, we become so busy, we don't have God's space. We're just too busy. And so he's come up with an acronym. I've actually twisted it a little bit. He, he uh, I changed, I shouldn't say that. I added a little bit to it. But he says God loves fat Christians. It's an acronym, F-A-T. I, I've kind of changed it to fat. Four things. You want to be kingdom-minded? The first is faithfulness. Because there, every test, remember we said test, Romans 12, so that by testing, every day you're going to be tested multiple times. You're tested when you go to the grocery store and how you're going to interact with the person behind the counter there. You're, you're tested every day when your spouse or your children and how you respond to them in difficult situations. God allows all kinds of things every day, and every day it's a test. And the test isn't supposed so God can see how you're going to respond. He knows it's so you can see how you're responding. Be convicted by it and ask God to forgive you, to change you, and to turn away from it. And that call comes, would you be willing to lead this Bible study? Would you be willing to meet with this person? Would you be willing to participate in this? And you go, boy, I don't know if I can. I'm too busy. Ooh, you're asking me to, you're asking me to do this? And I've never done that before. No, no, I, I could never do that. You see, well, here's what happens when I'm left to me. I'm going to pursue pleasure, fun, and me being in control. Can anybody else relate to that? That's what I do. And you know what? I'm going to stay in my comfort zone because that's where I like it. I'm so busy. I'm out here in life and I'm doing all this stuff. And boy, I, I, get back. I, just, I just want to stay here in my comfort zone. And so the, God can't get in. And I begin to walk away from all of those opportunities. And you know what? Those are faithfulness tests to see if you will step up. And you know where God really meets you and begins to teach you? is one step outside of your comfort zone. took me a long time to understand that. But if I'm not willing to take that step, then my spiritual muscles will atrophy. 
But the minute I take that step, I'm exercising that spirit, spiritual muscle, and the Spirit of God begins working in my life. So faith, faithfulness is the first thing. Flexible, the call comes. Somebody has a need, and you know, is there flexibility built in my schedule? Not that I have to go right then, but at least I can d- address the, the issue. The next thing is availability, and availability simply means I've built space into my life. If somebody's got an issue, can we do it tomorrow but between 8 and 9 o'clock? Could I stop by then, and could we, you know, can we talk? Whatever, whatever the issue is. And then the last thing is teachable. Are you teachable? Because every time God creates a, gives you a test, and you go into that, even when it's a serving event, you will be taught by God. I love Jerry's, uh, Gary's comment here earlier about uh, when, when, you know, to, to journal. I have not done that, and I'm so disappointed in myself. And I know people who have journaled. And you know what? They look back over their life, and they see the things that God has done, and it just, it just builds confidence and boldness in their lives. Oh, how I regret that. Oh, to be a senior again and to hear this. I probably heard it, I just didn't do it. I was too busy because I was so pursuing this over here. So, spiritual exercise number three, turn on every day your spiritual radar, your kingdom radar, and be fat. But I've got to ask God. I can't just do that. I've got to come before him. Lord, would you help me today? When I think of your kingdom, Lord, I want to go out today, and I know that your desire is that I, I would turn on my, my spiritual radar so I can see how you're working in the lives of other people. And Lord, would you help me when I meet various people to be able to impart a word of encouragement, to show kindness in some way. Lord, if there's something that you want to do today, and you're going to test me, and I know you will, Lord, would you help me to see and understand what you're doing, and would the Spirit of God encourage me to take that step of faith? If I don't prepare myself, I don't have my spiritual goggles on. Because every day, let me tell you what happens. You, God's grace and mercy comes every day. Not tomorrow. Tomorrow's another day. i got to turn it on. But here's what happens. Every night, there's this little guy. He's called the flesh. And you might have had a spiritually great day. And what he does when you're sleeping about midnight, he goes up and he hits the reset button put you right back to the world so that when you wake up in the morning, guess what? Oh my goodness, I overslept. I got to get going. I got a 9.30 meeting. I was supposed to prepare for it and I forgot I shouldn't have watched that movie for two hours last night. I got to... Oh, how am I going to do that? I've got to drop the kids off and then there's, I got that lunch thing going on and then I've got... Five, I got oh, Out the door. God going to use you that day? Probably not. But that's what happens. That's why every day I need to take those few minutes in the morning to get away and to be able to say, Lord, I need to take off the world. I need to put on the spiritual. Father, I want to crawl up into your lap and I know how much you've given me and how much you love me. Lord, I, I, how could I not want to love you when I know all that you've done and all I do is, is it's like I slap you in the face and I run over here and I just want to play in the things of the world. And then I wonder why I feel empty or why this happened or that happened or I'm not experiencing spiritual growth in my life. Anybody relate to this? That's me, by the way. I've played over here. I know what that's all. I'm good at that. I'm really good at that. All that pride stuff, selfishness stuff, self-centered stuff. 
me do what I want to do, me be in control. And if I don't daily, it's so easy to, be, to drift right back there. Your will be done. Your will be done, number one, on earth as it is in heaven. You know, when you say, your will be done, what you're saying is, you're not, you're not, you're not proclaiming it, Lord, your will be done. No, what you're saying is, Lord, I'm asking your will, or I want your will to be my will this day. Lord, would you help me to see and understand your will and how as I go through the day, I should be responding to all of the various things and tests that you bring my way. I want your will to be my will. Now, here's the problem. Is it your will you're going to pursue today or his? Is it your dream or his dream for you? Is it his, your plan for you or is it his plan for you? Is it his goal for you and goals in life or is it your, your, yours or is it his? Is it your purpose for living or is it his purpose for living? These are radical differences. And, it, you know, it finally occurred to me, I mean, this is a change in lifestyle. This is a change in lifestyle. To get up in the morning and want to spend time with God, that's a change in lifestyle. For me to say, Lord, I don't want to pursue this, I want to pursue this, that's a change in lifestyle. It's, it, the lifestyle change isn't necessarily a change of what you do or how you do it as much as it is what's first in your life. And God wants, loves people who make him first in, his, in, in their lives, and when we live by trust, all these other things happen. So here's the fourth spiritual exercise we can glean from this passage. Lord, help me. I want your will. Lord, help me to take off. My will, my dream, my goals, my purpose, Lord, I want to, that's not what I want. What I want is your will for my life, which is revealed in the Word of God. And as I study it, and the Spirit of God works in me, I begin to learn it, and I begin to grow, and I experience transformation, and I lose my desires slowly, usually for most people, for one thing after another as I begin to focus more here. Number five, give us today our daily bread. Wow, what a tough one. What is, give us our, you know what this is? This is really about meeting needs. Give us today our daily bread. In the first century, first century, when he said this, 90% of the people were poor. 90% of the people were basically in poverty. The thing, <laughs> if you had a meal that day, it would be bread. So God says, you speak in the language of the people, pray this day. Lord, Give us this day our daily bread. Meet my need. God promises if you seek him first, Matthew 6, 33, seek first, I'll meet your needs. It's, it's kind of like, let's make a deal. Let's make a deal. You seek me over here, I meet every need that you have. I, I guarantee it. Now here's the problem. Blake, I'm not going to meet your wants. I'm not going to meet your desires. I'm not going to meet the things that you think you want because I know what's best. I'm your father. I know the end from the beginning. I know the things that I want to do in your life and all of the things that are meaningful and have eternal value. But you see, I'm corrupted at times because I have these worldly glasses. Mr. Flesh will trick me and deceive me into thinking that these are the things I should be pursuing.
So, number five, the Lord meets all our needs. Listen, I, you know what? I have a heart. I have to say for every meal, Father, <laughs> we live in this country. We have so much, it's, it's a joke. Not too many of you look to me like you've been just eating one meal a day. I know I got clothes in my closet. I got a place to sleep tonight. Most of us, if anything, we're wondering, where am I going to eat for lunch? That might be one of our biggest issues at times. I need to thank him and acknowledge, Lord, I acknowledge right now that everything I have comes from your hand. And you know, if you've given me so much, what does your Father in heaven want you to do? Be generous with other people. Lord, would you help me today be generous with everybody I come in contact with? Because I want your love that you've poured into me to overflow to other, to other people. So help me today acknowledge that all I have comes from your hand. Help me today to be generous. Number six, forgive us our debts. Forgive us our sins, Lord, as we forgive others. You know, here's, this really focuses on our spiritual needs here on earth. And because, you know, what it's all about is repentance and confession. Repentance always comes before confession. Hear that. Repentance comes before. You, can you confess without repenting? That's not true repentance. Repentance means I have to come to that point saying, you know what, I don't want this anymore, Lord. I've, uh, this anger thing, I, this, this whatever it is, there's a, I, this lust problem, this addiction thing, this porn thing, this hate thing, this unforgiveness thing, this bitterness thing, all of these things that can have a hold on you. I don't want this. Lord, I repent. I repent and I turn to you. Have you ever uh, done this? Oh, man, I'm just so tired of this anger thing. And Lord, I know I break out in anger, and it happens daily. But, you know, Lord, I, I'm getting serious now. I mean, I'm reading your Bible every day. Whew. Reading your Bible. I mean, actually, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm giving money at the church, too. Lord, I'm giving money. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to join a small group, a life group. I'm going to... I'm going to really, I'm going deeper. I really feel like I'm around some people now. I know I can do this. Lord, I promise you I am not going to get angry again. Lord, I promise I'm not going to look at this website again. Lord, I promise. Lord, Lord, I promise you that I will not think this way again. I mean, I am committed this time. I am serious. I know we've done this before, but I am really serious this time. I am not going to do this sin. Think about the one sin in your life right now that plagues you. I'm not going to do this again. Amen. And you go out the next day, and what do you do? You do it. You know why you do it? Because you can't do it. You can't. I, you know, I call them trapdoors. I... I fell through the trap door of self-reformation. Somehow I thought I could change myself. I thought somehow I could please God and show him that I am good enough and I will be able to do this and prove that I'm worthy. Now listen to this one real careful. Because I, I, I was in the trap door of self-reformation for years. If you could reform yourself... 
And if you could do it in your own strength, two things. One, Jesus never would have had to come to die on the cross for you because you could take care of yourself. Right? Secondly, he wouldn't have had to send the Holy Spirit if you could do it yourself. Why did he send the Holy Spirit? Because he knew you needed it because you can't do it in your own strength. The problem is I needed to understand that and to begin to appropriate and believe that truth in my life. So now when I come and I say, Lord, I cannot deal with this. This has plagued me. You know it. Lord, I, can, I, I repent it I don't, from this. I don't want this anymore. Lord, would you, by the power of your spirit, invade my life? Would you just crush the do- desire for that? Would you just crush my appetite for that? Lord, I want an appetite for you. And Lord, I, I, I want the power to resist that dull my senses for that, Lord. Help me to become that new, transformed person you want me to be. And I begin to work. Now, it may be that if I'm over here at five times a week doing something and all of a sudden I'm two times a week, has there been improvement? Yeah. The Spirit of God is working. For most people, it doesn't happen immediately. For some, it does. But spiritual growth is a lifelong process and God wants to grow us up. That's that $50 word, sanctification. It never ends. It's the transforming process. After I meet Christ, it's not over. That's just the beginning. Now he wants to make us kingdom-minded and really begin working in our lives. This is all about self-examination. That's what we're talking about here. Forgive us our sins. I am examining myself and I'm being transparent with God And I'm saying, I don't want this, Lord. And then I come over here and say, this is what I want to surrender. This is what I want to pursue you. Self-examination, repent and confess every day. Last one, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. The only way that you can deal with sin and temptation in your life is through the power of God which comes to me through the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. If I am not turning on, putting on my spiritual lens, the power of the Holy Spirit will go dormant in my life. In fact, James 4 says that the Spirit of God is jealous when you pursue worldly things because he wants you to pursue that, the things that are of so much more value. There's only two things you're going to take with you. If you are a true believer, a follower of Christ, there's only two things that you will take with you into heaven. The Word of God and people. Those are eternal things. Wrap themselves up in all of that. None of this, all of this is going to burn. David says this in Psalm 141. He says, now this was prior to the Holy Spirit coming and taking up residence and believer, but when you, put, take your, when you take that step of trust and faith in Christ and you say, I no longer want this, I repent of this, Lord, I desire for you and I claim the, the promise of the cross of Christ as my Savior and Lord, I receive him and, and Lord, I want to pursue you now. The Spirit of God takes up residence in your life, but in the Old Testament that wasn't the case and so David, realizing this, says, Lord, set a guard, I love this, set a guard over me, O Lord, over my mouth, keep watch over the door of my lips, set a guard over my mind, set a guard over my heart, Lord, don't let my heart incline itself to anything that might be worldly or unrighteous, Lord, let me not participate or engage with others who are pursuing their own things, but rather, Lord, protect me and keep me. So number seven, 
allowing the Holy Spirit to transform and deliver me from sin and temptation. We have three minutes left. I finished early. <laughs> so what I'd like us to do is a little, tra a little training. So what I'm going to do for the next few minutes, I want us to go through the prayer. And right where you are, you can bow before the Lord as we go through this prayer. These are not words, but I want you to pray. I'm going to start off, and I want, then I want you to pray from your heart the specific things the Spirit of God is nudging you. Can we do that? I'm going to start off, and I'm going to give you time, and then I'm going to come back in with the next piece. Just a few, just a few seconds in between each one. Father in heaven, Father in heaven, you, you're, you're my dad. You're my true father. You love me. You've, you've given me gifts, all of these gifts. I just thank you. Lord, your name is above every name. You're so, you know everything. You're all powerful. Your eyes see everything. Lord, I want to be like you. Lord, I come and submit myself to your lordship over my life. Lord, I put my trust in you. Your kingdom come. Lord, I don't want these to be just words that I say. Lord, may I this day truly put on the new, take off the old, put on the new, and see your kingdom and be used by you to advance your purposes. Help me today as I go out into the world. Help me to be faithful to whatever tests you give me. Help me to be flexible, available, teachable. Help me to turn on my radar, Lord, as I go out there today. Lord, I want your will to be done on earth. Lord, not my will. Oh, Lord, help me. Help me to get my will, my, my dreams, my desires, my goals, my, all, all that are worldly. Lord, may you just flush those out and may your will be my will. Lord, meet my needs today. Lord, you have so faithfully met my needs ever since I was a kid. To be totally honest and transparent, Lord, I, when it comes to my physical needs, I have none. You've, you've met my needs. Yes, I've got some aches and pains, Lord. Help me to acknowledge your faithfulness and be generous today as I go out into the world. May my light shine 
so that others would see you through me and give you the glory. Lord, I just examined myself this morning and I, I look at my sins. Lord, here they are. Right now, what are those sins in your life that you want to bring before the Lord? Lord, I just confess right now. Confession is acknowledging with you, but confession is also saying, Lord, I don't want this, and I am going to put things in place that will help prevent me so that when the thought comes, Lord, that there will be a trigger that will, will send a message that I'm to resist that or to call this person to help me to overcome this or what, whatever it might be. Help me to examine myself every day, Lord. <laughs> I mean... Why, why don't I do that? I mean, you examine me. Lord, lead me not into temptation. Deliver me from evil. Lord, I, I'm so sorry that I have tried in my own strength to prove something to you that I just can't. The only way I can overcome the temptation of the world and all the other temptations that come along with it is by receiving your power that comes through the presence of the Holy Spirit in my life. Strengthen my spiritual muscles this day. Thank you for all you are doing, will doing. Lord, I thank you for this church and all the things you're doing in this church. Thank you for your word. Lord, help us now to better train ourselves in your word. And may it all be for your glory. We ask this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. God bless. Thank you.